All right, take your Bibles. Second Samuel chapter number twelve. Second Samuel chapter number twelve, and uh, just had this on my heart all week this week, and could not get away from it. And uh, I, I've preached this several several years ago. Not like I'm going to preach it today, uh, but preached through this text as a not long after I started preaching. And uh, the Lord just brought it back to my mind this week and just burdened my heart heavy with it. And I'm going to do my best to give you that which uh, the Lord put on my heart. I know we got several things going on this af- afternoon. You've probably got to get to your family and uh, different things. We've got some things we're going to do for Father's Day here after a while. And, uh, but just I, I just want to try to share the burden of my heart with you as best we can. And uh, then we'll go to the house, all right? Bible said in Second Samuel chapter number 12, I'm not going to ask you to stand this morning. Uh, I'm going to read several verses. I just want you to read with me if you will, and uh, then we'll look into the scripture together. The Bible said in verse number 1, And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing. Watch this. Save one little ewe lamb which he had bought and nourished up. And it grew up together with him and with his children, did eat of his own meat and drink of his own cup, lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter. Verse 4, There came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him. But he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. Watch verse 5, Bible said, David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing. Watch the latter part of that verse, number 6. And because he had no pity. Watch verse 7, that'll be our text. The Bible said, And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. I'm going to preach a little while this morning on that thought. Thou art the man. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I sure love you this morning. Lord, I pray you'd help us, Lord, I realize that on this Father's Day, Lord, that, uh, Lord, I realize there'll be much to do, spending time with family and, Lord, running here and there, but, Lord, I pray just for a little while, would you help each one of us to be attentive to the truth of your word, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, Lord, I pray that for every man, every teenage boy, every daddy, uh, every grandpa, Lord, here today, Lord, I pray that, Lord, would you speak to our heart and show us the truth that, Lord, we are responsible for our own home and God that we are responsible for our own family and that the decisions and the lifestyles that we choose to live uh, uh, do have a direct impact on our home and our family and our youngins. Lord, I pray today that you do things in our hearts that only you can. If it be one of the son of my voice lost, I'm done with that yet. Lord, I pray this morning that you'd show them they're a sinner. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to their heart. Lord, I pray convict them uh, and save them for it's everlasting too late. If it be one this morning that uh, Lord's about to give him by throwing the towel, would you encourage your heart? Uh, if it be one walking the farthest away, Lord, I pray that 
God, would you speak to their heart and show them, reveal to them how the sin that they're regarding in their heart. And Lord, I pray that they'd be the day they'd repent and return back into you. And Lord, we'll thank you and we'll praise you for all that's done and all that you're going to do. For we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. Now, we find ourselves here in chapter 12 and the Bible begins in verse number 1. The Bible says, The Lord has sent Nathan unto David. Now, we have to understand a little bit about where we are on this Father's Day. The text that God has put us in here in the Bible. And I realize I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be funny. But I realize this morning that there will be a lot of messages preached about uplifting your daddy and what a good Christian daddy is and all that's needed and that's good. But John, that's just not what the Lord's got on my heart this morning. Now we know a little bit about David. The Bible said that David was a man after God's own heart. No doubt probably the greatest king that the nation of Israel's ever seen. But yet we know that David had some bumps in the road. He was just like the rest of us. And there were some times that David really wasn't in the best of shape. In fact, if you look back in chapter 11, you'll find the greatest storm, the greatest issue in David's life. Now, he'd faced some giants. He faced the giant Goliath. He'd been on the run from Saul. But in chapter 11, we find that when it came time... Uh, for the kings to go forth to battle. For whatever reason, uh, uh, David decided he'd stay at the palace. Now, uh, there's something interesting about that. It was time, Michelle, uh, for the kings to go forth to battle. Uh, uh, but David stayed at home. Uh, and can I say this? Anytime you're not where you're supposed to be, uh, uh, you're just looking for trouble. Do you know that? Uh, and the Bible said that one night while he was there at the palace, he walked out on the balcony. And the Bible said he saw a very fair woman bathing herself. But John, the problem was she was the wife of another. Isn't that right? And David looked out and saw Bathsheba bathing herself. He's not where he's supposed to be. Everybody else is at battle. Opportunity presented itself. I heard one preacher say one time, and there's a lot of truth in it. He said that the day, the most dangerous point in any man's life was when temptation and opportunity intersect. Is that right? You'd handle temptation. You might even handle opportunity. If you had the opportunity to sin, but you really weren't tempted to, that'd probably be all right. If you was tempted to sin, but didn't have opportunity, you'd probably overcome that. But what about when temptation and opportunity collide? David's tempted. He sees her. She's fair to look on. He lusts in his heart after Bathsheba. And then he realizes everybody's going away to battle. John, he could have her, and nobody'd ever know. And that's exactly what happened. He brought her unto himself. The Bible said that he knew her. Uh, and then he sent her back on her way but then he got to thinking uh, he found out that he that she was the wife of Uriah the Hittite uh, and he got to thinking what if all this come to light uh, here I am the king of Israel what if somebody found out uh, about this sin that I've committed so here's what he did uh, he called Uriah off of the battle line in chapter 11 uh, and he brought him to the king's palace and set the meat before him uh, and he said Uriah tell you what you want to do I want you to eat of my food and drink of my wine uh, and then tonight you go home and lay with your wife uh, and spend some time with her and then tomorrow morning you go back to the battle and fight uh, and 
Uriah being noble and honorable said there's no way I'm going to eat the king's meat uh, and drink the king's wine and lay with my wife uh, uh, with my brothers in arms at the battle uh, he said I'll sleep at the door of the gate tomorrow uh, he said I'm not going to enjoy the comforts of the, of the kingdom uh, and the comfort of my wife uh, uh, when everybody else came and that spoiled David's plan uh, and he said well if he won't lay with her what we'll have to do is this uh, uh, just to cover everything up now just one sin now he's having to commit sin after sin after sin and he said I'll tell you what I do I, he called you right back and said I've got a note I want you to take to Joab I, and on that note I, Brenda he wrote told Joab to put Uriah at the forefront I, of the hottest battle I, and Uriah carried his own death sentence I, I, back to Joab I, and gave him the letter well that's exactly what happened I, uh, Uriah, Joab put Uriah the Hittite I, at the hottest battle that was raging right at the forefront I, I, we find that Uriah died I, I, by the sword of Ammon I, and then what happened was David was free I, he took Bathsheba made her his wife I, and that way the sin was covered up and nobody was any the wiser just in the space of days, he's committed adultery with Bathsheba. He's been a false witness to Uriah, and he's murdered Uriah. Just a few days. Now he's took another man. He stole uh, another man's wife and covered it up. Uh, murdered another man and covered it up. In fact, it always did haunt David. Uh, you'll find after chapter 11 that D David and Joab's relationship uh, uh, never was the same. You say, Preacher, why do you think that was? Uh, I think every time Joab stepped out of line and David got on to him, uh, that, that, that Joab would reach back in his pocket and say, I've still uh, got that letter. You ever thought about that? Joab had that letter. Oh my, that, I don't mock down on me. I have to preach that too. I wonder how many times somebody's got your letter and seen you cover up sin uh, and you go to work and you've got something covered up. And every time you try to be a witness, every time you try to do the right thing, uh, there's somebody pops up and says, I've got your letter. Uh, I know what you did. I know what you covered up. Uh, amen, friend. You can mock down if you want to. Y'all don't tell it ain't going to be one of them good, friendly Father's Day messages, can't you? I, I, I know it ain't, but it'd be okay. Uh, but that Joab had that letter uh, and his relationship with David was forever changed. Uh, but now, here in chapter 12, uh, we fast forwarded from chapter 11 to chapter 12 almost a year. Now you say, preacher, how do you know that? Well, the child, that but the Bible, we know that Bathsheba conceived uh, and bare David a child. And the child, uh, here in chapter 12, is already born. It's already been born in chapter 12. The sin took place in chapter 11. Uh, chapter 12, the child's already been born. So it's got to be at least nine months uh, after David's sin with Bathsheba. So we're about a year, somewhere there about, give or take a few months, we're about a year, uh, or maybe a little bit more, past uh, when David sinned. So I noticed with me the previous sin. David sinned with Bathsheba. Uh, he committed adultery. Uh, with Bathsheba committed the murder of Uriah and became a false witness when he lied and tried to cover it all up. Uh, for about a year now, it seems that he succeeded. No one knows of his sin. Uh, it seems like it's covered up. It seems like it's hidden. Uh, seems like David has everything under control. Now, I'm not trying to burst your bubble this morning, but I guarantee you, uh, uh, there's somebody sitting here this morning, that's the shape you're in. Now, uh, there's some kind of sin in your life, but as far as you know, uh, uh, it's been covered up. As far as you know, nobody else knows about it. Uh, as far, and let's just be honest, nobody knows what happens behind closed doors. You know that? Uh, 
Amen, friend and youngins. I'll be real honest. Uh, you might have some things hid from your mom and daddy. Uh, and you might have some things hid from your grandma and grandpa and your preacher and uh, your Sunday school teacher. And uh, you might even have it hid from your friends. Uh, uh, but can I say this? Uh, uh, eventually, your sin will find you out. Isn't that right? Uh, that's what's about to happen in the life of David. Uh, for a year, everything's been covered up. For a year, everything's fine. For about a year now, everything's went right on schedule. Uh, and nobody knows. Uh, everything seems to be alright. But then in chapter 12, we see, uh, in chapter 11, we see the previous sin. But in chapter 12, uh, notice with me the prophet that was sent. Uh, uh, now the Bible said in verse number 1, uh, And the Lord uh, sent Nathan unto David. Uh, now Nathan's the prophet of the Lord. And the Bible said, Earl, not that Nathan just happened to be walking by the palace one day and thought, I'll oh, stop by and see David for a minute. But the Bible said that the Lord sent Nathan unto David. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how it happened, but I tell you this, how the Lord come by one day to Nathan and said, there's something I need you to go and tell David. Isn't that right? Now, you may be sitting there right now and you're already nervous. And I, I just be honest with you, I, I don't feel like beating around the bush. I, I, I worked hard all day yesterday and didn't sleep worth a hood. I, I, I'm really not in the best of moods. So I'm not going to try to be sweet and cuddly. I, I just be going to be honest with you. I done see some of you squirming. I had to get real nervous about where we're going. I, and you probably won't agree with what I'm getting ready to say, but I'll say this. I, I just want to stop by and say I thank God for the men of God. I, I that God sent by my way at times. I, how to point out the sin in my life, don't you? I'm glad that He loved me enough to wake a man of God up. Had put a message from the Word of God on His heart. How to overturn my apple cart and tear my row up. And get the weeds out of my life. It man, friend, the Bible said that the Lord has sent Nathan. Isn't that right? Now let me say this. God always has a man. While I realize He does not need man, and He doesn't need me, he doesn't need you. Uh, God always uses a man. Did you know that? Uh, God always has a man to carry uh, the message of God. God could have spoke to David's heart uh, personally, but instead uh, he sent Nathan the prophet to David's house. Uh, sent him to where David was to speak uh, the very word of God. Uh, I will say this, thank God for the man of God. Uh, where would we be without me? Men of God that be that be willing uh, how to preach the word of God without compromise, uh, uh, without fear, without favor of man. Uh, I say thank God for God's men uh, uh, that still had compromise, still stand true, uh, and to preach what thus saith the word of God, aren't you? Uh, in fact, I was thinking about uh, uh, this week, this morning, while Brother Kenny is a teaching, uh, uh, while he's procrastinating, I should say, trying not to get there. Uh, I, I was thinking about the life of David. Uh, and you realize that David had a very uh, intimate relationship with God's men. Uh, in fact, all throughout the life of David, you'll find him uh, uh, in very close proximity and friendship uh, uh, with God's men, the prophets. Uh, in fact, there's three prophets that had an impact on David's life. Uh, uh, and we'll get there in just a minute. But uh, they was there early at some of the most important uh, and life-changing points of his life. Uh, and I got to think about that. I thought, man, that, that's amazing. Uh, uh, how God orchestrated the man of God. Uh, I, I mean, I realize his 
job is to preach the Word of God. I understand that. Uh, but me and my wife were talking one day, and it's amazing, John, how that you uh, begin, to, begin to get close to the congregation and close to people. Uh, because you're there at some of the most important points of their life. Uh, I mean, I thought about when Rihanna uh, had Benjamin. Uh, I really didn't know her all that good, but I was there, John. I walked in the room, and uh, there she was holding that brand new baby. And uh, she was ecstatic and excited, and I got to experience that. I've been there some when people were heartbroken in the darkest days of their life when they got their worst news. When they're standing by the graveside of a loved one. I've been there at marriages and weddings and all kinds of things. You're there at some of the most important points in your life. And you know what the man of God is. It's just a reminder from God that He loves you and cares about you. Why we realize that God would have been there at your marriage. You might not could have seen him, uh, but that's the re- well. I'll not say what I'm getting ready to say, but I'm gonna say it. Uh, uh, that's why, in my opinion, uh, uh, you ought to get a man of God to marry you. Uh, Amen. That's right. Uh, uh, Amen. You say, preacher, how come? I I know the justice of the peace can do it. Uh, But if you're going to start your relationship outright uh, in the house of God, uh, what better way than get a man of God? Is that right? Why not get God's man to, uh, man? Well, I tell you why not. Most people don't do it. Since you bogged in on me, I tell you why. The reason most of them don't do it is because they ain't living right. They ain't saved. They're, yeah, man, that's right. They, yeah, man, they don't want the man of God digging around in their business uh, and tell them what ought to be cleaned up. What, yeah, man, go ahead and nod your head. It'd be all right. Uh, and the justice of peace don't do all that. See, all he's worried about is that $35. Uh, and he's happy. Uh, but the man of God's worried about your every dying soul. Uh, yeah, man, he wants you to raise your family right. Uh, and have a happy life. God help me. You're bogging down on Father's Day. I, yeah, God help. Uh, uh, listen to me. Uh, yeah, man, the man of God is an important part uh, in every last one of his life. Uh, and the prophet, the Bible said that the Lord uh, sent Nathan unto David. Now there's three prophets in the life of David. They was there at the most important times of his life. The first prophet in the life of David was the prophet Samuel. As Samuel was there, uh, I remember when the Bible said that the Lord sent Samuel Samuel down to the house of Jesse. And he told Jesse he wanted to see his sons. He's going to anoint one of them king of Israel. And they all passed before him. And one after another, Samuel said, That's just not the one. That's just not the one. That's just not the one. Perhaps they all passed before him. And he looked at Jesse and he said, Is there yet another? And Jesse said, Well, there's the lad David. I charter tending the sheep. Even Jesse didn't think David would be the one that God would anoint. Samuel said, Bring him. God help me. Samuel said, bring him here. And the Bible said that David come before him. And Samuel broke open. God help me. And Samuel broke open the hall of God and anointed the head of David. And that's a picture and type of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. It was Samuel that discovered David. I'm glad for some men of God in my life that poured the oil over my head. Amen, friend. That's full of the Holy Ghost. And living the Spirit filled life and was able to pour the oil. Amen, that's right. Get under some Spirit filled preaching and pour the oil into my life and discovered me. And that right, God gave me a good start. It was Samuel that discovered him. But then there's another prophet in the life of David. That's the prophet of Gad. 
It was Gad uh, that delivered David. You say, preacher, what do you mean? You remember when David was on the run from Saul? The Bible said that he was holed up uh, in down in Moab. Here's what Gad said. God sent Gad down there to David and he had no business being in Moab. Moab's always a picture of the world, a picture of sin. Uh, uh, the Bible refers to it as God's wash pot. And guess what? God help me. Guess what the Lord did? He come by Gad one day. He said, David's down there in Moab and he ought not be there. Uh, you better go to him and tell him it's time to come back home. And the Bible said that Gad come to David hold up down in Moab and said arise and get thee back to Jerusalem. God help me. Oh, aren't you glad for sometimes a man of God come by where you was and said you ought not be here. It's time to get up and go home. Amen, friend, that's right. And here we find that David Samuel that discovered him. It was Gad that delivered him. But here in our text we find the third prophet. That's the prophet of Nathan. And Nathan's ministry in the life of David was to deal with his disobedience. There is a time, friend, as bad as we hate to do it. I, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about the men of God. As bad as we hate to do it, there is a time that comes that the man of God has to deal with sin. Is that right? That God sent Samuel to anoint him with oil. God sent Gad to tell him you ought not be there. It's time you head back to Jerusalem. But now in Nathan's life, God has sent another prophet this time by the name of Nathan. And Jessica, he doesn't have a very good message to bring. He, I, no doubt he's not looking forward to telling David what he's going to have to tell him. But he's going to have to go deal with David's sin and deal with it directly. Now, I see you bogging down, but there is a time that the man of God has to deal with sin and deal with it directly. Is that right? Now, I'm not, now I'm, let me say this. I realize you, it's a, I'm not saying every time somebody messes up, you ought to deal with it directly. But there's times, you, you, there's times it's got to be dealt with right up front, quick, and in a hurry. Ain't that right? That's what's happened. David, for a year now, has been dwelling with this sin. God finally says, Nathan, it's time to go down there to him. It's not going to be it. You're not going to uplift him. You're not going to encourage him. You're not going to go down there and butt around with him. It's not time to be his buddy. You're not there for the good times in his life. But it's time you went down there, told him what thus saith the word of God, and he deals with his disobedience. Isn't that right? There's a time in your life that God will get fed up with letting you waiting on you to decide to repent your own. And there'll come a time that God deals with disobedience. Is that right? Yeah. And I know the Holy Ghost works on the heart. I understand that. I know that God can speak. To, I understand that. But I tell you how he does it. He has a man that will preach the Word of God. Is that right? And nobody likes Nathan. Nobody likes. I, I read commentaries this week, Kenny. The majority of commentaries I read concerning this text said that Nathan probably was one of the biggest jerks. This wasn't exactly how they worded it, but it's what they are saying. Nathan was probably one of the biggest jerks in all of Jerusalem. I don't believe it. I don't believe that for one minute. I don't believe he's antisocial. I don't believe he lacked people skills. I don't believe for one minute, Corey, that he just was a hateful person. But it was just time that God had directed him. It was time to deal with David's disobedience. I don't believe it made David and Nathan a bad person. I don't think God only chooses hateful preachers to deal with sin. I think it's just a time that God says it's time to deal with the disobedience. Isn't that right? There's a time the Bible said preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Two-thirds of your ministry ought to be negative. Isn't that right? Yeah. 
Reproving, rebuking, then exhorting. We'll see all three here, right here in just a minute, what Nathan did. But he comes to deal with David's disobedience. And there'll be a time in your life that God will deal with your disobedience. Now watch what he did. Verse number 1. The Bible said, The Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came unto him and said unto him. Now he's come to give him a message. Here's what he said. There were two men in one city, the one rich, the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb which he had bought and nourished up and it grew up together with him and with his children. He did eat of his own meat and drink of his own cup, lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. There came a traveler unto the rich man and he spared to take of his own flock and his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was coming to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. Now, notice we've seen the previous sin, the prophet that was sent. Notice some of the parable that was spoken. Now, Nathan comes, and being a, being, being a good Baptist preacher, he can't just say the one thing he's really got to say. He's got, he's got to have some points to leading up to that, right? So he, he starts out telling a story. Here's what he says. He says, there's two men, one city. He said, one of these men is very rich. He's got exceeding great flocks and herds. He's got, he's got more John than he could ever want. This other man, he's poor and he has nothing except for one little ewe lamb. And he said, that lamb was so precious to him, it grew up with him, grew up with his children. It drunk from his cup, ate of his plate. He said, it laid in his bosom. And he said, he loved it just like a daughter. Is that right? One day there's a traveler come. Told that come to that rich man. And he, he come and told me he wants something to eat. And here's what the rich man did. Say, here's the picture. He, he, he looks out over all his great flocks and herds. And he says, instead of giving him one of those, I'll go take that poor man's lamb. And I'll kill it and dress it. And he can eat it and be on his way. He, instead of giving what he, instead of enjoying and using Leon what he already had, he said, I'll take that poor man's lamb and I'll kill it, dress it, give it to him. Right? Right? So you say, Preacher, how, how is David that man? Well, I'll show you, I'll show you the points. I'm going I'm to help Nathan preach his message. That rich man's a picture of David. David had more than he could ever desire. God had made him king of Israel. God had blessed him beyond measure. Uh, David's that rich man. The Bible said he had exceeding great herds and flocks. That's all the wives and concubines that David had. God had blessed him. He had more than he could ever have desired. Isn't that right? That poor man's Uriah the Hittite. Only had, the Bible said he had nothing save one little ewe lamb. That ewe lamb's a picture and a type of Bathsheba. How that she was uh, the only love of Uriah. He didn't have five, six wives and concubines. All he had was Bathsheba. And he loved her and she loved her. Isn't that right? That you lamb becomes a picture of a type of Bathsheba. Now you say, preacher, what about, what about uh, the, the, the herds and flocks? That's the wives and, that's the wives and concubines of David, that, that you lamb's Bathsheba. What about the traveler? Well, you don't have to agree with me right here. I believe that traveler becomes a picture of the devil. Coming and uh, or the devil of temptation of the flesh, uh, uh, tempting David, tempting that traveler, that, tra- that, that that rich man never took that ewe lamb. Had the traveler not come, isn't that right? This picture of the temptation of Satan, picture of the temptation of the flesh, picture of the temptation of the world, the temptation to take what's not yours, the temptation to sin is a picture of that traveler. 
Nathan tells David this story, and David's sitting there. Now, you got to understand this. It's customary in these days. If you had something you really didn't want to tell somebody, before instead of just telling them, you'd start out telling them a parable. And that's what Nathan does. Starts out with a parable. Bible said that David, verse 5, that David's anger was kindled in him. As David's hearing this, Lydia, he's sitting there and he gets mad. I mean, can you see him thinking, how in the world could somebody that had all this be so selfish and so pitiless that they'd take somebody's only little ewe lamb that they loved that much to the self? How could they not see the devastation that bring that poor man? Like David said, as the Lord liveth, this man shall surely die. And he said he must pay the lamb back fourfold. Is that right? We see the pro, we see the parable. It pictures pictures the life of David. David. Then not only do we see the parable that was spoken, we see the punishment severity in verse five and six. David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. He said, Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that's done this thing shall surely die. His sword ran fourfold because he did this thing because he had no pity. Now, this is interesting. I'm going to get to the good part right here in just a minute. What's interesting about what David said, David had no idea that he was speaking in a parable. The whole time he's sitting back there, the whole time Nathan's a preaching to him, David was thinking, he's come to get my advice. He needs my help on this issue that's happened within the kingdom, and he's come to get some kingly advice. So when Nathan gets done preaching to him, David says, I'll tell you what I'd do. That man needs to die. And before he dies, he better pay that lamb back fourfold. That man, instead of having one little ewe lamb, he ought to have four. He ought to have four sheep by the time it's all over. Then you take that man's life, and that, that's, that's the correct punishment. Now, what's interesting about this, you know what the law required? You know what was required under the Mosaic law? That lamb should have been restored fourfold. The law did not require death. But see, David's anger was so greatly kindled. And because he felt like Michelle, it was so much of a great sin this man had committed, having no pity on this other man, he said, surely, as the Lord liveth, he must die. They said, preacher, what are you saying? How many times have you and I been that way? How many times a man of God got up to preach? And I'm preaching to me just as much as I am you. Man of God got up to preach, and we'll sit there and think, boy, he's really telling so-and-so. It's getting quiet, ain't it? Boy, he's really letting so-and-so have it. How many times you sit there, heard the man of God say the wages of sin is death. You better be real careful flirting with sin. You better be real careful. It'll it'll wreck your home. It'll wreck your this. It'll wreck that. How many times have we sit there and thought, boy, if old so-and-so don't straighten up, it's going to hit them one of these days. The price is going to come due. Oh, we're real good at doing that, ain't we? In fact, David listened to this story about this rich man and poor man. And David said, you ought to go above and beyond what the law requires. Uh, he ought to be put to death even though uh, the law would have, would have been merciful to him and saved him from death. Uh, he ought to be put to death and have to still do it fourfold. You ought to go above and be, throw the book at him uh, and give him a little bit more. Isn't that right? Isn't that our mentality with everybody else? We'll see what everybody else does. We'll say, oh, Lord, you just deal justly with them and you just, you just pour out your wrath on them. And you, let's just be honest. That's how we are. But can you imagine David's surprise in verse number 7 when Nathan looked at him and said, David, thou art the man. Yeah. All right? 
We see, we see that in verse number five and six, we see the punishment severity. Notice this. Let me say this quickly. By the law, a man who committed this crime was to restore the land fourfold to his owner. The law did not require death. The punishment David suggested was more severe than what the law required. However, the law did require that a murderer be put to death. The law did require that a man taking an adultery be put to death. There, right? David sitting there in his own heart. They own a regard and the sin of murder, the sin of adultery, and the sin of, of being a false witness. And he's regarding it in his own life and covering it up. And, but he thinks all that's hidden and all that's okay. So when he finds out about somebody else's sin, uh, he's more than content to throw the book at them uh, and not even consider that one day his bill's going to come due. Yeah. Right? How much is that picture you and I? So it's so easy to point out everybody else's fault. So easy to see everybody else getting what they deserve. So easy to dish out the a severe punishment to those that are sinning right about us. But how many of us this morning, this very moment, uh, are sitting here regarding sin in our own heart? Uh, amen, friend. Uh, you better examine your own self before you dish out uh, somebody else's judgment. Because uh, uh, one day your judgment will come. Uh, amen, friend. And I guarantee you when it comes time for your judgment to come, how many of us have come down and said, Oh, God, be merciful. Oh, God, be merciful. God, be merciful. Well, why in the world can't we be merciful to somebody else? That right? David said he deserves to die and go above the law. David regarding the sin of murder, the sin of adultery, sin of being a false witness in his own heart. And then in verse number 7, Nathan looks at him and just in plain speech, Says David, thou art the man. What about that? Aren't you glad that God come by every once in a while and just plainly? He's not talking in parables anymore. He's not talking about he, he, Nathan's preached his message. He's given this parable, uh, and now David said, I "Tell you what I do." Uh, and Nathan said, "All right, that's good because I'm talking about you. Uh, you're the man, isn't that right? Uh, it's you that God sent me to talk to. Uh, it's you're the rich man. Uh, you're eyes the poor man. Uh, Bathsheba's the you lamb. Uh, up them flocks and herds of your wives uh, and concubines and the blessings that God's given you. Of uh, the travelers, the temptation you face." And you're the one that failed. You're the one that sinned. You're the man, David. Isn't that right? Aren't you glad that God ever wants a while? I know we're not glad about it in the moment, but I sure am glad God will come by just to let you know you are the man. And they, some of you right now, and I told you I'm not beating around the bush this morning. They, some of you right now, sit in your face. The Holy Ghost don't come by where you are and said, Thou art the man. Right? You say, oh, preacher, it's not any great sin. Doesn't have to be. And I said, we've got a nickel in our heart, he'll not hear us. Isn't that right? You, so many times we try to cover it up and we try to make ourselves feel so good. David was more than willing to talk about what that man did with that lamb. But he done killed a man, done took a man's life, to commit adultery with his wife uh, and lied to the whole kingdom to cover it up. Uh, and he didn't realize what he was on his own, in his own heart. Uh, how many times do we look at everybody else and we want to talk about how bad everybody else is? Uh, but when's the last time, friend, we took a step back uh, and looked at our own heart and realized uh, everything wasn't squeaky clean in our own lives, isn't that right? God sent the man of God by 
Tell David, thou art the man. We see the punishment severity. We see the personal statement. Then I want you to notice with me the perception of the sovereign. What he's in verse 7. Now, he's finally given some clean, some, some, he's finally given some plain speech. Nathan said, David, thou art the man. Here's what he's saying. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Now, what a picture. Every preacher ought to read chapter 12. You know what Nathan did? He told him a story. Now he's told him, he said, David, you're the man. He's given him all the typology. He said, David, you're the man. Bathsheba's the new lamb. He's pointed out who he is. Now watch this. Now here's what he said. Here's what the Lord God told me to tell you. Right? Now he's going to speak to him plainly. He said, this is a message directly to you from God. You know what I'm afraid of most time? I'm afraid a lot of times we come and preach and we're so so busy trying to figure out, Ronald, who the preacher's talking about that we forget sometimes he might be talking to us. That right? Preacher come in and preach on sin. If you're not real careful this morning, you'll try to figure out, wonder who it is that's committing some great, horrible sin. You'll be trying to figure out what it is when it might just be that God sent me by this morning just to speak to your heart and say, you are the man. Thou art the man. And God wants to make a change in your life before the price comes up. Isn't that right? Watch this. He said, thus saith the word of the Lord of God. Watch what he said, verse number 7. I anointed thee king over Israel. Now watch what happens. This is what amazes me. You know what God does? He starts taking him through. All them, them prophets, we're talking about the, time, the turning points in David's life. God starts pointing them out to him. He said, I anointed thee king over Israel. You know what he said? Remember when I sent Samuel down there? And Samuel anointed you with oil. Made you king over Israel. You remember when I anointed you? Remember when you thought you failed? Remember how good it was to be anointed king over Israel and realize that God had a purpose and God had a plan? Do you remember how good things used to be? Ain't that what the Holy Ghost does? Don't he come by and say, how'd you get here? Do you remember when you used to be spirit-fed? Do you remember when we used to have communion flowing back and forth? Do you remember how good it used to be? He said, I anointed thee king over Israel. Watch this. I got to hurry. Bible said, verse number eight, or verse number seven. I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. That's when old Gad come down there. I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom. I gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, God help me, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. What the Lord said? He said, David, I've been good to you. They're right. He said, David, I know I called you when you was just a little sheep boy. I turned on the hills of Judah. I come to where you was and made you a king. Uh, he said, I gave you. Hey, man, friend, that's right. He said, when Saul was after you and seeking the key, uh, I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. Uh, I didn't give you a broken kingdom. Uh, I didn't give you a fragment of the kingdom. Uh, but I give you all of Israel, all of Judah. United, I gave you that. Uh, you didn't have to work for it. You didn't have to earn it. Uh, but I handed it to you freely. He said, every wife of Saul I give to you. Every servant of Saul I give to you. You didn't have to earn it. You didn't have to work for it. I blessed you beyond measure and I've been good to you. Isn't that right? Watch what he said. And if that had been too little, I would have done, I would have done more and over such and such. What he said, if that hadn't been enough, all you had to do was ask and I'd have given you anything you wanted. I wonder how many times the Lord feels like that with us. When he looks around, I pick on Corey. Just say Corey's regard iniquity in his heart. 
wonder how many times Corey God looks at us and says, I've been so good to them. Look at where they could have been. Look at the family he's got sitting with him on Father's Day that he didn't have to have. All right. Look at look at the, look at them youngins that are healthy and doing good and, and they're not sick. They're able to play and run and talk and look how good I look at the wife that I've given. God help Corey, you ought to look at the wife he's given you. I, 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 look how good I've been to him. I, look how much I blessed him. And yet, even with all that, if he'd have needed more, if he'd have just asked, I'd have done over and above what I'd already done. How many times God looks at us and says, "As good as I've been." And Jessica, if you'd have just needed more, all you had to do was ask. And I'd have done such and such things over that. Yet even as good as I've been, you've been disobedient and sinned. Do you realize when we sin this morning, every last one of us, saved or lost, when we sin, we're, we're, we're spitting in the face of God over all the blessings He's given us. Do you realize that? As good as he's been, when we regard iniquity in our heart and sin in our lives, we're just saying, God, I really don't care how good you've been. I know, I know it's getting quiet. I freaking probably would about right here. That's all right. You're not bothering me. Bad. That's what you're saying. I mean, that's what we're saying. That's what I'm saying. That's what you're saying. That's what every last one of us saying. God, as good as you've been, it really doesn't matter to me. I'd rather have... That I'd rather have what the world offers uh, and what the flesh offers uh, and what the devil offers. Uh, I'd, I'd give up every blessing you've given me just to have that. Is that right? What a shame. And the Lord starts showing him how good he's been. He said, when you was just a nothing and a nobody, I anointed you king of Israel. When you stood before David and all of Israel thought you didn't stand a chance. When you stood before Goliath, who was it that smoked the giant? Right. Yeah. I wonder what happened this morning if God came by and started reminding us, some of us, just how good he'd been. I ought to be laying in a ditch somewhere. If I wasn't in hell, sure, I ought to be laying in a ditch somewhere. So messed up, needles in my I mean, that's where I ought to be. That's the kind of life I deserve. Uh, yet I'm sitting here this morning saved uh, in my right mind, clothed with a good family and good youngins. Uh, I was thinking about them presents them boys give me uh, uh, from Sunday school, preaching the Word of God. My soul, God's been good to me. Uh, I'll go home right here in just a minute to a nice house uh, in a nice vehicle. Uh, I put on some nice clothes, uh, eat a nice meal this evening, uh, uh, spend time with a nice family. Uh, my soul, God's been good. Why in the world uh, would we turn our back on that uh, just to have what we don't have? Is that right? God begins to point out to him just how good he's been. Notice the perception of the sovereign. The Bible said, verse number Verse number 8, I would moreover have given thee such and such things. Verse 9, wherefore thou hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight. Now watch what he's saying. David's got everything hid. Nobody knows. All of a sudden Nathan's come in. He said, David, here's what the Lord said. The Lord said he'd been good to you. But somewhere in that line you despise the commandment of the Lord. Watch, watch, watch what the Lord said. Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. And has taken his wife to be thy wife, and has slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and has taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. You know what happened? The man of God got up and preached the message to him and said, Thou art the man. 
And as time went on, you know what David felt now? He didn't have everything he had because he thought he did. Now, i tell you what happened. I've had several times in my ministry, I had a woman one time walk up to me, and I, I'd preached, I had preached at a church, and I got off talking about, somehow or another, I got off on wine. And I mean, I just couldn't get off of it. I mean, I preached, and I preached. Now, I don't know how in the world I got on it, but I mean, I just could not get off of wine. After the service, this woman come out, she walked up to me, she stuck her, I mean, she, she's looking at my shoes. I had been preaching all that long. She said, Preacher, who told you? And I said, I don't know somebody. And she said, Who told you? And I said, Ma'am, I don't know somebody. I don't even know who you are. And she said, Who told you? I went to the wine festival yesterday and just got plum drunk. And I said, Did nobody tell me you did when you just told me right there? <laughs> and she said, Preacher, who told you? And I said, Ma'am, I promise you, there wasn't a soul told me. And she said, Preacher, I went to a wine festival. And she said, it was plumb two states over. I made sure nobody knew where I was going. I had everything covered up. I come to church this morning, and all you could talk about was drinking wine. And that wine was a mock and strong drink of region. And she said, who told you? And I said, I'll tell you who. The God of all glory. In the state line, county line. Amen, friend, that's right. It doesn't block him not one bit. Amen, that's right. You get mad at me all you want to. But I tell you this, it's not me I'm talking about. You don't have your sin his because you think you do. As a God in heaven, he had everything lined up around him. I mean, he took every precaution. Everything was covered. And all of a sudden, in just a moment, God said, I'll tell you what you did. You took your eye of the Hittite's wife to be yours. You murdered him by the sword of Amnon. You've been trying to cover it up, but I know exactly what happened. Uh, you sinned and was disobedient to the commandment of the Lord. You know you shouldn't have committed adultery. You know you shouldn't have been a murderer. You know you shouldn't have lied. You know all those things. Uh, and you did every bit of it despite the blessings uh, that I've given you. Is that right? Oh my God. The Bible said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Isn't that right? It's the principle of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, you mark it down, friend. It might take a little while for that thing to grow and that thing to get ready. But eventually, harvest time is coming. Isn't that right? It's come in David's life. God said, I've been giving you a year letting that thing grow and fester. And now it's time to take the sickle and start cutting down some crops. It's time to harvest. That's right. Now you bog down all you want to. more you bog down, the more I think I'm hitting a good place to stay and I'm just going to stay there. All right? Listen. Bible said he told, said you took her out of the Hittite's wife to be yours. You murdered him by the sword of Amnon. Uh, I know you've tried to cover it up, uh, but I know exactly what's happened. We see, we see the perception of the sovereign. You may have everybody else fooled, but there's a God in heaven tonight that knows exactly what's going on in your life. Isn't that right? Good and bad. You can come in, get all dressed up, look as pretty as you want to. But there's a God in heaven knows our heart, knows our life. Isn't that right? Not only that, knows some of the public scene. Watch what the Lord said in verse 11. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. Oh, watch this. He said, You took your wives' wives. The Lord said, I'll take your wives and give them to your neighbor. Watch what he said. I'll take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor. And he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. What's verse 12? What a shame. 
Some of the one of the saddest verses in your Bible. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sign. What the Lord said, you've tried real hard to cover everything up. But when it comes my turn, I'm going to do it openly. You know what I'm afraid of? So many times in people's lives, we see it. I know I see it pastoring all the time. You see God working their life and God trying to intervene just because they just won't let go. They just keep making those same decisions. Hold on to that same sin. Holding that same grudge. Holding that, just keep holding on to it. But when you talk to them, everything's all right. When you talk to them, nothing's wrong. When you talk to them, John, they're just as perfect as anybody. I mean, don't, don't worry about us, preacher. Everybody else in the church who needs to be worried about it. Don't worry a thing about us. But you know what happens when it comes time for that harvest to be made? God doesn't do it in secret. God's not worried about what everybody else thinks. Right? You can hold it in your life just as long as you can. I'll just take alcohol. I'll take wine. I told you I got on before. I can get on again. How many times have you seen somebody? I've seen, I, think of, I think of a lady right now that was had it hid from her husband, had it hid from her youngins, had it hid from her pastor, had it hid from church. If I told your name, some of you would know who she was. But every, every once in a while, she'd go out, she'd get her some wine, and she'd drink with that. It's just a casual social drink, not, no big deal. She'd come home, a young has done been to bed, husband been to bed. She'd be sobered up halfway by the morning. She wouldn't complain about the hangover and everything. Be, no, no big deal, no big deal at all. You know what happened? The thing just kept getting bigger, just kept getting bigger, just kept getting bigger, just kept getting bigger. Time, a few people, finally her husband found out about it, but they're so worried, John, about what everybody's going to think, they just keep trying to hide that thing and hide that thing and hide that thing. But you know what happened when everything fell apart? Everybody knew. When it's finally time, Kenny, for that thing to be harvested, when it's finally time for the price of sin to be due, they wasn't no, God wasn't worried about what everybody thought about their family. He exposed it for what it was. Isn't yeah. that right? So he said, David, he said, you've done everything you can to hide it. He said, but I'm going to do it openly. He said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to send your, I'm not going to send the recompense for your sin and do it secretly so only you know and everybody in the house of Israel thinks everything's all right. He said, when your life falls apart, I'm going to do it before all the eyes of Israel and before the very sun. It's going to be an open punishment. Isn't that right? Yeah. How many people you know right now, you can see their life falling apart. And you know why I'm telling you the truth. God doesn't do it secretly. God doesn't keep it to where everything looks all right. When he exposes it and everything falls apart, it's done openly. Is that right? Boy, y'all dying on me. I tell you, y'all. But we'll get to the good stuff right here in just a minute. We see the public scene. The Bible said, for thou did it secretly, but I'll do this same before all Israel, before the sun. Notice for me, I'm done right here. Notice the price of sin. Verse number 13. Bible said, and David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, watch this boy like this. Nathan said unto David, the Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Aren't you glad David found mercy? Now everything's going to fall apart. But the Bible said the Lord also hath forgiven thy sin, thou shalt not die. But tell you what was sad about the situation and here, here's my Father's Day part, verse 14. Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Here's what he's saying. He said, David, you've repented. You sinned, but you've repented. 
The Lord's able to forgive you. You're going to have to deal with the consequences of sin. But the Lord's able to forgive you. You're not going to die. But he said, David, the thing about it is, that youngin's going to have to die. What a picture. You know what breaks my heart? I'm done right here. What breaks my heart is I see so many mamas and daddies guarding iniquity in their heart. I've talked to more than I'd care to admit, and they say, Poncho, we're saved. Everything's all right. It's okay. We don't have to be in church. We don't have to live like that. We're saved, and it's all right. We can just do whatever we want to. It's okay. But you know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid one of these days when everything falls apart, there's going to be some youngins that's going to die and go to hell. Because mom and daddy regarded iniquity in their heart. Because them youngins, I'm, I'm not just talking about those that are out of church. There's one of these days there's going to be some youngins that'll die and go to hell. And when it happens, you'll stand before God one day and give an account. And I believe with all my heart, the Bible said that we're watchmen and that the blood be required our hands. I believe there's going to be some mamas and daddies stand before God. God say them youngins that got saved if you hadn't been committing fornication all the time. Them youngins that got saved if you haven't been drinking all the time. Poison. It's off quiet. Them youngins that got saved if you just live like you're supposed to. Let me tell you this. I told you a minute ago. God always has a man. Is that right? I come in here and take the word of God. I say, wine's a mocker and strong drink of reason. Whosoever deceived thereby is not wise. I was preaching against alcohol and preaching against drugs and all that. And John, you went home every day and drunk a beer before you went to bed. Let's just say Ryan was lost. And I come in and I said, if you're not saved, you're going to go to hell. You must be born again. Well, wouldn't it be reasonable? Let's just be rational. Would it not be rational to think that Ryan might say, well, you know what? He says, he says you're not drinking, Dad. He says, you can't believe nothing that preacher says. He says you ought not drink, but daddy drinks like a fish when nobody's looking. All right? That young and had done nothing wrong, but you know who the one was dying? His that young and God help me. I, I told you I'm not trying to be cute and cuddly. I'm trying to help us. I, God help me. I don't want anything in my life. That'll be what it is that keeps my youngest from getting in. I'd rather God. God help me. It's that serious, friend. I, and I wonder if maybe God's come by this morning and said, "Thou art the man to somebody." David repeated, but it's too late. That young and had to die. Wonder how many youngins, wonder how many loveins gonna die and go to hell, cause mom and daddy just wouldn't get right. Mom and daddy just refused to live right. We're living Wayne in some strange days. I know youngins right now, several. In fact, I mean more than I could probably name right off the top of my head. I know youngins right now that every time I see them, they say, "I'm talking about little youngins. I'm talking about three, four years old, all the way up to." Not quite driving, 14, 15 years old. That says, This is what they say, Lydia. Preacher, I'd love. I want not we want nothing more than to come to church. Mom and daddy won't let us. What about that? Yeah. What about that? Mama and daddy won't let us. I told one other day, John, I said, you, if your mom and daddy will say it's okay. I said, if I have to, I'll bring that, I'll bring that bus over myself. I'll pick them up, I'll pick you up, I'll bring you. You tell them I'll take you, get you something to eat. If you need, if you need clothes, I'll go buy you, I'll do whatever you got. If you want to go, I'll make sure you're there. They said, preacher, we've told them they just won't let us. One of these days, 
that hunger is going to go away. One of these days, they're going to stay in that, they're going to stay in that life long enough. And one of these days, mom and daddy might get in. And that'll be the very, I'm not trying to be ugly. That'll be the very ones come stand in my office one day and say, Preacher, why won't my youngest just be right? Be honest with you, because you didn't do right in front of them. They some, these people I think of right now, and I, I'm, I'm just going to talk to you a few minutes and I'm done. I think of a woman right now, I talked to her the other day, and she said, Preacher, I'd just do anything. I'd just do anything if my youngins would get saved. The truth of the matter is, she never did live in front of them. And Brenda, when they was young and impressionable, and God could have easily saved them. That mama could have told them right from wrong, had them in church, could have easily saved them. She didn't have nothing to do with God. Now that she's got right, she deals every day to make with the fact her youngest could die and go to hell. And all it takes, one push too much on that needle. One curve took too fast on the sins of that mama. Is that right? Or today, God's come by this way and said, Thou art the man. On this Father's Day, God help me, we need some daddies that'll be men. We need some daddies that'll teach, teach boys how to work and teach them how to be honest. And I'm not saying we don't. I'm all for that. But I tell you what we need in these days. We need some daddies that'll live holy, and live righteous, and live clean to the best of their ability for their youngins. Because wouldn't it be a shame to take all that God had blessed you with? The Bible said, Lo, children, do you realize the greatest blessings the Lord ever gave me was them two boys right on there? Wouldn't it be a shame to take as good as he's been to me and let them youngins die and go to hell because I regard iniquity in my heart. Mamas and daddies wonder, wonder how we're really living. Young people wonder how we're really living.